This is Vermont Credit Unions on Air, a service of the Association of Vermont Credit Unions. I'm Joe Bergeron, president of the association, and with me is Blair Walston, a financial advisor with VSECU, or Vermont State Employees Credit Union. Today, I'm chatting with Blair as an up-and-coming credit union leader and chair of the Credit Union Young Professionals of Vermont. Blair recently represented Vermont as part of a group of young professionals from across the country in a learning exchange with the Secreti system of credit unions in Brazil. We thought of the great opportunity for Blair to share some insights from that experience with everyone listening. So welcome and thanks for joining us, Blair. Thank you so much for it's, having me, Joe. It's great to have you here in the association office. So that was quite a, uh, quite a venture to head all the way south from little old Vermont to big Brazil. <laughs> and, sure and I think you had told me you hadn't done much out of country travel before. So No, the last time I left the border of the United States was to travel to London for a Shakespeare seminar in 2007. So, wow. Yeah. So you had all of the foreign country stuff to deal with and the passport stuff and the shots and, and I had all lots that of checklists. Kind of stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? For sure. So uh, I mentioned that, uh, you know, your role as chair of the Credit Union Young Professionals of Vermont, and, and thank you for doing that, fulfilling that role. I know that's a new appointment. Well, I know it was 2019, but mm -hmm. happened in 2019. Yeah. So you're in your first year of being chair. So just to kind of get some information about, about that in place, why don't you tell everybody what is Credit Union Young Professionals of Vermont? Sure. That is a... A board consisting of credit union young professionals at Vermont-based credit unions. Uh, its mission uh, is to attract and retain credit union young professionals through leadership development, community outreach, networking opportunities. Um, so what we're trying to do is enhance their professional growth and the overall advancement of the credit union movement in each of the credit unions that have um, representatives with us. Right now there are 10 members on this board. It's a relatively large board at the moment. We're hoping to yeah. maybe add a couple more. Uh, we have the capacity for up to 12, but anyone who's been on boards before knows that you get to a certain number and <laughs> It's and I, and I know the uh, the group that you're part of, the Credit Union Professionals Board of Vermont, has been uh, very helpful to our association at helping out at like our annual meeting and at golf outings and you know Ab different events like that. Absolutely, we consider ourselves uh, a part of the association, sort yeah. of a subcommittee for in your eyes, um, and you has have helped us been instrumental in registering the trade name and all of that right. over the years. Right. So that was, you know, we look to the association for leadership and uh, guidance and are very happy to attend events and add some value where we can and volunteer. And it's a, I think it's a really good symbiotic relationship being part of the established association. Um, you guys already have a nice calendar of events that we can uh, help, help at and um, add had a, an aspect to, and it's a good opportunity uh, when we are at these events to just meet people that are outside the walls of our own credit unions, because a lot of us don't have that opportunity right. from our, with our day-to-day -day right. jobs. Well, thanks for that uh, overview of the Credit Union Professionals of Vermont and that totally unbiased plug for our Association of Vermont Credit Unions. And there's been absolutely no exchange of funds here whatsoever. So, <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> uh, we're just a big fan as a group, yeah, the, okay. the whole group of us. So, uh, uh, <laughs> Again, thanks, Blair. Um, 
you know, your first trip to Brazil and uh, the credit union system there, and it was a meeting of young professionals like yourself from elsewhere in the country. So, uh, what can you tell us? Yeah, let me about try that? to set the stage for that. It's the World Council of Credit Unions uh, is starting an initiative called the Young Professional Exchange. It's part of a global classroom effort that they they hope to do each year in a different part of the world. Uh, Secreti was the credit union system in Brazil that uh, hosted us for the first inaugural year. They had an existing event going on, their second annual youth summit in uh, Curitiba. I was saying it wrong the whole time till <laughs> I got there. So, uh, and they, they were gracious enough to partner with Woku and um, offer us a space at their summit. They welcomed us with open arms. The hospitality was incredible. And um, it allowed people from the United States, there were eight of us from the U.S., and 14 total delegates, as we were referred to as, as visitors there. Uh, other countries included Chile, and Costa Rica, uh, Colombia. I believe those were the other countries in our group. So it was a trilingual event, uh, and actually in sign language as a fourth oh. language that was there oh. being translated in real time. So kind of a United Nations feel to it for sure. me with the earpieces and translators oh, really? that were keeping up with the speakers. Um, so it was just a very exciting experience to to get there was an adventure, and then to to meet everyone involved and learn their stories quickly. We had, you know, one day before the actual summit started to sort of orient ourselves to our, our group and to see the city a little bit. Um, so <clears throat> we we showed up at various times throughout the day um, in different levels of exhaustion. Yeah. I was. 27 hours in in travel time wow. uh, four flights Burlington uh, doesn't have any I guess they're only an international airport in Burlington Vermont because they go to Montreal but right. aside from right. that it's not and not a very big airport so uh, it was four four connections to get down there and lots of coffee oh yeah absolutely <laughs> So it uh, sounds like there were seven other people from the U.S. besides you. So like you, all credit union employees, I imagine? They were actually people from the credit unions and also the leagues. So oh. we had um, representatives uh, from Cornerstone Credit Union League. Mm -hmm. uh, the list is somewhere, but not yeah. in front of me. You know, Iowa, uh, the Iowa League. So a variety of yep. people. Uh, Pacific Northwest. Yeah. So um, a lot of a lot of league people. Um, I know that you guys um, got the registration for the event, you know, so I feel like the leagues were contacted. Right. Um, and uh, so it ended up being um, a lot of that level. And some leagues, I, I'm, I'm not sure uh, from World Council perspective, you know, I don't I don't think I'm not sure if they just blanketed everybody. I think they probably went to leagues with whom they have, you know, some um, supportive relationship with the international connections. I'm not 100% sure about that. But anyway, it's great to hear that there were kind of, you know, eight different areas of the country or whatnot. Yeah, it was uh, very diverse. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Um, the, the people from Chile, Colombia, Costa Rica, they all had various uh, roles as well. Um, some of the credit union systems that they were 
a part of uh, the astonishing scale, like the Chilean representatives, their membership base uh, is over 400,000, and they they differentiate between members and customers. Uh, I think if you have just a loan relationship with them, then that's a different level of engagement. So all in about 1.2 million uh, members and customers, just one credit union network. So So the the purpose of the overall event was uh, specific to young professionals from all these different countries or more like a learning exchange or? So I think it had a, it was uh, in part a case study of Secreti's success in in engaging their youth members and the, the staff that they have and also an opportunity to experience their second annual youth summit that they're uh, very proud of and are planning to continue with each year. The The theme for that summit was diversity and inclusion, and um, it was not credit union-specific hmm. topics, and the attendees were primarily young professional members of their credit unions. Hmm. So it was really um, sort of an educational summit uh, with lots of different speakers. They did speak about credit unions. There were, um, you know, different different speakers that were from the credit union system, and some that were just inspirational speakers about their experiences with diversity and inclusion, or the the opposite of that. You know, th- things that they had struggled through and overcome, and sort of motivational. Um, almost TED style talks on the second day. They were 15 by 15 is what they called it, and it was 15 minute presentations from from people, none of which were credit union employees, just mm-hmm. about um, how they overcame adversity. And um, so it was, you know, it wasn't like a hoorah, we're credit union people, right. and this is all about credit union ideas. Um, there was certainly a, a mix of that, but the summit itself was more a chance for the credit union Secreti Campo Jure, which was the credit union hosting it. We can get a little bit into the structure of how they do that. <clears throat> hosting it to celebrate their own membership uh, because each of their branches that they have, and this specific credit union has 30 locations, they each have a young professional or young, young people, I believe is what they refer to it as, uh, committee. Two or three employees and 15 to 30 members hmm. uh, that uh, meet monthly. Some are quarterly. They they that part is up to each credit union, but there's a, a strong focus on uh, young people as as a uh, one of the pillars of sustainability, as they call it, um, in their network. So uh, the summit was two days of our week and um, just showed us what real member engagement can look like um, and, and the way they approach it is is different than what we do here. So we were able to study, study them and uh, also enjoy a curriculum that is very uh, universal. Uh, we all, uh, diversity, inclusion, equity uh, is discussed globally right now and that was very evident because uh, there were 10 countries represented uh, not all of those people were part of our delegation, but there were just other guests. And, you know, this was 
a message that we have all thought about and and are trying to process in our own ways, in our own institutions, and in our own lives. So I was going to ask you about that. When you, when you mentioned that the focus of the conference was diversity and inclusion, if when you're hearing speakers, and you know, I don't know if there were questions from the audience, but, but the general vibe of the, of the whole thing around diversity and inclusion, did you get the sense that, um, I guess you did, based on what you just said, that it was the same, similar kinds of issues and perspectives and whatnot that you, you would hear at a conference here about diversity and inclusion mm -hmm. and from different employers and employees and whatnot. Uh, yeah, the, the theme was looked at in, in several ways, um, both from inside the credit union space of diversity of your uh, employees and how, um, you know, changing the language around disability to diverse abilities, um, you know, and, and just shifting the perspective on what uh, people with different disabilities uh, can bring to your organization. It, you know, a, th a thread of, of this was that it's, it's good for business to have uh, diversity within perspectives, you know, because when you have, I know boards are always seeking diversity here in the United States. A, a diverse board is a strong board, and that that can be applied to an entire community or uh, an entire body of workers for an organization. Um, so I would say, you know, it was a message we we all agreed upon, and it just it went down <clears throat> with case studies uh, a little deeper on what individual companies have done to encourage that in the workplace. So um, I might catch you off guard here with mm -hmm. this next next question um, that you just made me think of, so don't hesitate to say no. <laughs> um, but uh, you make me want to ask, so as you're sitting through these, I don't know, 15 or whatever number of presentations it was about a diversity, inclusion, and practices, and in um, that credit union businesses and whatnot, is there is there any uh, thing that you heard or witnessed as a group or an individual that struck you as while well, we don't have that issue, uh, you know, in our country, or it's a, it's a cultural difference, so it's a different perspective on something, or you know, those kinds of of things. Hmm. <clears throat> I think that. I don't think that there was something that was exclusive to them. So uh, everything was pretty universal then. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're all sort of humans trying right. to accomplish similar goals. Right. And, and I haven't seen another part of the world, at least not that part of the world mm -hmm. before. And, uh, you know, we read about Brazil's culture ahead of time just to get an idea of some statistics, but you don't sure. really learn anything of meaning until you're talking with the people of Brazil. And um, it, those conversations you have in between sessions with people um, oftentimes leave the most lasting impression. And I'm just trying to think if there was something that stood out um, in particular. It, we, we did have a language barrier. Um, I used Google Translate constantly really? uh, yeah I, and never had the opportunity to use it before uh, but it works that work for you <laughs> it works really well uh, when you are it's essentially you're typing to each other um, because when there's background noise etc sure. the, the microphone doesn't necessarily oh, work great. as well but you can sit there and type a message to someone and hand them your phone and they read it in Portuguese 
they type their message and hand it back to you. Yeah, and so you're handing your phone back and forth. It's like passing notes in class. It really it <laughs> felt like that. And I was just so thankful for that tool because uh, otherwise, you know, translators were working nonstop, but it was really just translating the main presentations. So you'd right. sit next to someone and, you know, you'd want to talk because we were so curious about each other's lives and what we do for work and things. Um, and everyone wanted to try to speak English, which was nice. Uh, but, you know, it's not uh, like when you go to Europe and it, you tend to be able to get by a little bit more easily with, right. with English as a primary right. language. Uh, it doesn't work that well in Brazil. Not in Brazil. Right. Yeah. I, it was a problem in the airports, actually, for me. Uh, and I know you, you mentioned, uh, I know Tom Belekovich from Woku was there and... Um, you know, I, I haven't done a ton of international travel, but enough, and it's been, well, a little bit in Europe, but mostly Latin America, and uh, never Brazil, um, but uh, I know I've, I've sat through enough times with Tom translating on the fly all the time that, you know, after three, four, six, eight hours of watching Tom translate nonstop, it's like, wow, that's that's a horrendous job to have, to be constantly translating what other people say. Uh, I was in awe of, of his capacity to think in multiple languages. Right. Uh, I, I asked him if he slept well, and he said he did. You know, at the end of every day, it was like it was all he could do to get back to the hotel and, and go to bed and get his brain yeah, recharged. I think I would need a lot of uh, Tylenol or Advil or something to... <laughs> our, our very first morning, uh, we, we just had to go through and introduce ourselves to our own group uh, at the hotel. We had a little conference space that we could use, and, you know, he's, he's translating every person's introduction and bio yeah. and what we will hope to get out of it and... He would hold his hand up and, you know, please take a break and let me do the first chunk right. and then the second chunk. So um, I was essentially just in awe of his Yeah, it's quite a talent to be able to do that. Did I read someplace, I don't know if it was on social media or in an art news article someplace, that you and somebody from CUNA, was it, were like, uh, I don't know if it was like tweeting through the whole thing or doing some write-ups for CUNA News Now or something like that? Uh, yeah, Kristen Ryan, uh, the Director of Learning Events for CUNA in Madison, and myself were asked to basically, I guess it's vlogging, video blogging. Oh, right. <laughs> so not a word I use that often. Yeah. Uh, so we would we uh, interface with them. They told us what they were looking for. It was convenient that we'd, we'd be traveling down there, and um, I had uh, had an article in their magazine previously so uh, they said hey would you want to help us out again and um, so we uploaded videos to a, a Google Drive folder for them to sort through and put mm -hmm. together they did a nice series um, on news.cuna.org I think is right. the order of that and yeah. if you search YP exchange uh, things that are tagged with that there's about five five entries to that so cool. pictures videos uh, we ended up uh, it was it was hard to break from what we were doing at times to to think hey we should probably submit a video on this oh. so a lot of it was uh, takeaways once we were back in the After hotel the fact, yeah, yeah. Like, hey wow let's sit down and think for a second and put a put something up for them but it was really nice that uh, we were able to do that and that they provided some extra light to this event because it was an inaugural event Woku's hoping to do this again and um, 
in a new location and it was I was happy to sort of new location meaning different countries yeah um, I don't know they they've got another credit union network that's interested in hosting next year I don't think they've announced that yet but Mm -hmm. it'll be in a different part of the world and hopefully someone else can go enjoy that next year uh, from Vermont if possible we'll see how it how it goes but it's I would highly recommend um, I think uh, raising your hand for this if it ever becomes available it was an incredible opportunity so I know that the, the purpose of your travel to Brazil in this event was not uh, to learn about uh, the Secreta Credit Union movement and how credit unions in Brazil operate and all that sort of thing. Um, <coughs> but with that said, I imagine that there's, again, not to put you in a spot, but there's probably some insights that you uh, garnered from just hearing people talk or you know seeing the one credit union you went to and whatnot. And so anything that... Uh, you know, presented itself that struck you as, wow, that's different than what we do here, or, you know, the way they deal with members or anything? Sure. Um, so the credit union we were sort of attached to, we'll call it that, is mm-hmm. it, it was a Secreti credit union, so it was part of their network, mm-hmm. and they they had 30 branches. Uh, so Secreti is the national system, we'll call it, sort yeah, of. So yeah, so Secreti's broken down into three layers. Right. Secreti National, then there are centrals, mm-hmm. sort of like the leagues, leagues so, and yeah. then the individual credit union members that are members of Secreti. So mm-hmm. branding's consistent throughout. Uh, the core system's hosted nationally. Payments go through, and uh, you know they set rate bands, et cetera. So it's a, it's kind of like a franchise model to an extent. I don't mean to downplay what they're doing at all by calling right. it that, but right. they set a framework, and you can um, uh, sort of convert your own credit union to a Secreti credit union if uh, there's the need to do that or if it makes sense for from a business perspective. So so it sounds then, Blair, like there's other credit unions. There are Secreti credit unions, but then there are, whether they go by the same name or not, other financial cooperatives, mm-hmm. whether they're called credit unions or something else, um, in Brazil that are not part of that system. Correct. Yes, yeah. so oh. Credit has 114 credit unions in their network. Oh. So, um, and that's throughout Brazil. And we were involved with the central for three states in Brazil. Um, we were in the state of Parana. It's probably the fish I'm thinking of. But <laughs> it sounds like that. Uh, they Paulo. probably have those in Brazil too. They yeah. Actually, <laughs> we were warned of them in one specific area. Wow. Uh, childhood fears right in my face but Bad uh, yeah. <laughs> so the Secreti Central we were working with um, was for three specific areas that was sort of the like the mm-hmm. league for them but this Secreti Campo Jere they actually stacked up very closely to my own credit union that I work for via CCU in the size and membership base hmm. so about 67,000 members um, they've got 30 branches uh, and 550 employees, give or take, 69% of who are women, which I thought was... Did you say 500 and something employees? 550. Wow. To, to be a CCU's 175. One, yeah. one, so, um, you know, a lot more staff and a lot more locations, uh, mm. physical locations. So they, what they're doing, uh, just people who love the the numbers everyone wants to talk about that stuff and 
they're adding a thousand new members a month right now. They're twenty wow. percent growth uh, year over year right now, and um, it's what they are doing very well is engaging inside their communities uh, with different initiatives. The the youth groups, the youth committees are one aspect of it. There's also uh, women's groups, sister societies, I think they're called, mm-hmm. that are another um, pillar, something that they put a lot of focus on. And um, so this Composure network has got, uh, like I said, about 67,000 members. And this year, during their annual meeting, 10,000 members appeared in person for their annual meeting. Wow. 10,000. Where do you put 10,000? You need a stadium. They they (laughs) actually were scrolling through pictures. Um, One of the men who's in charge of this on his phone, he's he's showing me uh, school gymnasiums full of people, uh, outdoor parks with people, um, with with voting cards in their hand. And so the the level of participation for the meetings, uh, I don't know of any U.S. credit union where 15% of their membership shows up in person at a meeting. Um, I know that in Vermont, we wouldn't have a place to host them. No, no. It would just be overwhelming. And we couldn't get enough door prizes. (laughs) Right, what do we do for a door prize, right? We have to have a band. Giveaways. It's something about um, their education when they onboard people. It's they educate you about cooperatives first, Hmm. then financial cooperatives. And then they, you know, and then what they're doing specifically. So mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of focus on the seven principles of cooperatives. Um, people understand that it's important to participate in a cooperative. The more that you participate, the more benefits you get as a member. That it's maybe it's a newer concept for them, or the access to to this type of financial services is is newer. Those are things I wish I had more time to sit down with someone about. Mm, right. But the democratic process of employee and uh, member ownership uh, is not missed by these Very people. Very strong, yeah. So I think, you know, and I, I said to uh, Andre, who's the, the gentleman who sort of was the organizer for the summit and um, took us around the whole week, like, what's the secret? And what I got out of it was that he goes to these communities where they have membership you know, strong membership bases. And he kind of finds the unofficial mayor of that town. You know, mm-hmm. in Vermont, that's what we would call it, right? The guy, mm-hmm. you know, a person that everyone knows um, and that is looked up to, a community leader. And they, they make them an ambassador for their credit union and, in, and give them the tools they need to get people to know when to show up and what they'll be talking about and why it's important to do so. And they so they just do this with one person in each of their communities and then that person's job becomes getting people to the meeting. Wow. Um, and I think it's just some level of understanding of what they're doing that for whatever reasons in the United States where it's not as new to us, we're a little more apathetic when it comes to that kind of stuff. Maybe we don't understand that it's not just where we have our car loan. Um, you know, they, they understand from right. the beginning what they're getting so into. So maybe therein lies one somewhat cultural differences that they take membership in their credit union or whatever the right terminology is uh, I don't want to say more seriously but differently than the masses of credit union members do here because you know 
folks like us that work in credit unions are constantly hammering away, you know, day after day, year after year, decade after decade on, you know, you're a, you're an owner, not just a customer, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff and whatnot. And if not for that, even with that, you know, the, the people that recognize that they are an owner of a financial cooperative and whatnot are far less than what we want it to be. And, uh, you know, there are so many people that are there just for, like you said, for the car loan or the best rate checking account or whatever yeah. it happens to be. Uh, One detail is that they don't have direct lending. And I feel like the, the direct lending, you know, when, when you join a credit union at a car dealership with a car salesperson, mm-hmm. um, they're certainly not telling the credit union story. Here. Uh, yeah, in yeah, the United correct. States. When you, right. you know, it's a great way to get lending, financed. Right. Right. through a credit union but that if that's your first experience with a credit union um, you don't know anything about what you've just right. done you, you just got the, you got the loan I had to but, pay a right. pay a fee which is your share you know they, yeah. they buy a share but they think they paid a fee to get a loan at a better right. rate and there's no one at that dealership going well actually it's a financial cooperative you're a member owner sure. you know, can, can direct our you know how we direct giving and all sorts of things so uh, they just don't have that infrastructure in Brazil um, one of the delegates was a manager of indirect lending for a, a credit union in Phoenix, Arizona. And so when she's saying what she does, Tom was like, you know, the translator, he goes, I don't know how to explain this to them. It, and it took, so she says one short sentence about what she does. And five minutes later, he's still talking. And yeah. we were like, is that really how you say that in Portuguese, Tom? Right. You know, it just, it was like a concept that he had to explain through a different way. Hmm. So, and I think not to say anything poorly about direct lending, I have nothing to do with it in my own job, but I feel like those are perhaps the least engaged members we have and maybe our largest opportunity to reach out and, and engage with them more. Yeah. Uh, they just don't have that uh, sort of rub, I guess. They don't have the buy-in from day one. Yeah, they're not the people that sought out the credit union and then got the car loan. It's the other way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a great. It does great things for for us and our our loan portfolios. But um, when you don't, those people just their loan is paid off and they right. they're gone. Well, it's an opportunity uh, to develop uh, a new loyal member and cross all their stuff. But you gotta work at it. Sure. To, to that, and yeah. I'm sure there are initiatives, and it's just not not in my own wheelhouse but right. it was a, it was a correlation i was trying to think how does this how is this possible someone uh, a, an institution with a membership base very similar to, to mine it was easy to compare cuz i you know, went to our annual meeting and mm-hmm. there wasn't 10,000 people there no a few less <laughs> yeah a few, a few less <laughs> so um, did that did that answer your question i think so all right i hope so um so what we're kind of running a little bit short of time, but uh, what are there other things that come to mind that are important to point out to our listeners? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I th- left feeling that diversity and inclusion actually makes us stronger as as from an individual to a community to a state or a country. Um, the, it creates a more vibrant culture because the diversity of perspective is there. It's not a, an echo chamber of what we all believe. So the, the idea of stepping outside of what we know to not only see what we are, but what we can become as people and employees and leaders, 
uh, that was a really big takeaway uh, because I I flew 5,000 miles due south. It was fall there. It was like I was in a completely different part of the world, and I saw similar struggles in certain things and certain con- and similar concerns that are universal. Um, and I also saw a credit union model that's wildly successful in in areas that I know every credit union in the United States would would love to be better at as well, no matter how well we're doing something. That, that the fact that people understood it was a cooperative, they understood that they could participate in it and that there was a benefit for participating more. Um, so I had to kind of go way outside the comfort zone, which I've tried to make a theme in my professional development each year to do something like this. This definitely checks that box for 2019. Um, so the, it, was a, it was a great topic. Um, the fact that the cooperative principles are the, are the foundation for their business model, not uh, more for-profit type metrics. They're, they're, they're doing it in a way that people are sometimes scared to do because they don't think they'll get the growth and engagement, but it seems to be working very well for them. Um, you know, there's opportunities to grow our movement that we haven't considered, and I think that's going to start with building an inclusive framework for potential members and staff. So that that, that was probably the the singular takeaway that uh, I'd like. I continue to think about and try to uh, see how I can apply that moving forward. So, you know, you remind me that, you know, I'm sure there are, are those people listening to something like this that, um, you know, running credit unions here, um, whether it's in Vermont or the United States, that have a thought crossing their mind of, you know, why do we, meaning credit unions in the United States in general, you know, bother uh, dealing with being concerned about credit unions in other parts of the world and whatnot? We have enough issues to deal with here and so on and so forth and whatnot. And actually, you know, from this kind of experience and my limited experience, you know, I think we would both agree that, um, you know, it's not until you get away from the, I don't want to say daily grind, but, you know, the, the, the in-your-face of all the issues that we deal with here and whatnot, and you go see <clears throat> the same kinds of credit unions but in a different setting, um, operating, yes, with different laws and different, you know, uh, um, uh, values and or, or maybe similar values but different cultures and all that sort of thing uh, that you get a newfound appreciation one for what you have at home sometimes um, and two for coming back with new ideas and and the similarities and you know as much as you, as we all get motivated by going to you know the conference in you know Washington or Las Vegas or whatnot about some new ideas or whatnot um, it's like that amplified by ten times uh, when you go experience something in another culture, in another country, um, and see how, you know, credit unions are, in some cases, in some countries, you know, literally, um, you know, helping people uh, financially come up from, you know, putting food on the table and so on and so forth, and, and you know, wild success stories too. But it, you get a, a real appreciation for the credit union structure no matter what country it is that you're looking at. Yeah, yeah, this was absolutely my my first experience looking at credit unions outside of the United States. Um, and they 
they want they put members first just like we do they they know what's important to to their membership and so priorities are very similar um, to, to use the use of technology growing their base um, they add they add a heavy emphasis from the national level right down in Secreti on youth committees and the sister societies, mm-hmm. which is two things that we we do put, you know, there's focus on them, there's lots of great things going on in the U.S. to develop, but it's not at that it's level. It's not yeah, a yeah. side thing yeah. for them. Right. It's one right. of their five pillars. Yeah. So, um, and that came from the president of Secreti National, the, the CEO of the individual credit union we were at and it, it was very evident in the fact that their summit with 150 160 people at it majority of which were their own members uh, engaged with a, a credit union conference that would be like I don't know of a credit union conference in the US that is not for the employees of credit unions and leagues and associations right. it's it's that's who the people are there yeah, that's the audience yeah. but this is the community um, hmm. summit you know hosted by the credit union so just just a great great perspective it's been great uh, hearing from you about your experience in brazil and the security movement and uh, i imagine if anybody listening wants to hear more about your event about the Credians of Brazil, about your experience, or about the credit union professionals of Vermont, sure. they can probably shoot an email to you? They sure can. Walston at vsecu.com, B-W-O-L-S-T-O-N at vsecu.com is a good way to get in touch with me. On social media, it's at Walston, so that same prefix to my email with an at symbol in front of it can link you up with my Twitter and uh, which I try to be pretty active in when I'm at events like that. That was that was part of the coverage. Um, so I'm happy to share my impact report that I typed up with anyone who'd like that emailed to them. It, that goes into a little more detail. Um, and anyone interested in the Credit Union Young Professionals of Vermont, that that's a, a great group of people, very passionate about Vermont credit unions and. Our, our general mailbox is uh, C-U-Y-P-V-T at gmail.com. That's a shared inbox that we would uh, see your messages when they come in there and um, find us at the next AVCU event as well. Cool. And um, part of that impact paper that you can provide to people, I'm sure, has some uh, tips for people who are considering trying to get 10,000 people at their annual meeting. Uh, <laughs> do's and don'ts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's true. I'm Don't try to get a door prize for everybody. <laughs> exactly. Just set the expectations very <laughs> upfront. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for this, Joe. Hey, thank you, Blair. It's been uh, great chatting with you. And with that, we've reached the end of another Vermont Cardians On Air podcast and hope you found it informative. You can hear all of our previously recorded podcasts by searching for Vermont Credit Unions on air in the iTunes store or at soundcloud.com. If you have ideas for a podcast and something you'd like to hear about, send it to podcast at vermontcreditunionswithans.coop. Until our next podcast, this is Joe Bergeron and Blair Walston at the Association of Vermont Credit Unions. Thank you for listening. Thank you.